Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute. And today I have co-hosting with me, Trina Tadaros, who leads HRI's Regulatory Center. Welcome, Trina. Thanks, Ben. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you co-hosting today, and we actually have a very special guest today. We have our own Karen Young, who leads our U.S. health industries practice. Welcome, Karen. Thanks, Ben. And Trina, I'm excited to be here today. Well, thanks, Karen. What we want to talk about with you today is our latest research around top health industry issues for 2021. And I thought I would start with maybe a bit of an overview question, and that is, you know, how exactly should organizations plan and look and kind of work through all of the different issues that are going on right now? I mean, we've got a new administration and a pandemic and vaccines rolling out, issues around health equity. I mean, there's a, a lot going on, but at the same time, they've got to think a little bit about how should I improve my organization or how do I think about kind of life after for the pandemic as a health organization. So my question to you, Karen, is any thoughts on how organizations should actually be thinking about the planning process with so much going on? Sure. I mean, I think it's a great question. Uh, what we're seeing organizations and obviously specific to health, you know, they are battling every day as organizations. So if you think about the short term, they're trying to secure their business. They're trying to get through the pandemic, care for patients, care for their employees. And all at the same time, you know, in the near term, they're learning, right? They're learning what it's like to be more digitized. They're learning how to better forecast. They're learning where there's gaps in care. And so that then, you know, they need to start thinking towards the future and taking a long-term outlook on what are those learnings today and how do they think about the impact on those learnings for sustainability, for scale and operations. And we really think organizations are trying their best. They have a wealth of information coming at them daily. And certainly they are starting to unpack all the complexity that they've seen, all the learnings that they've had, and starting to really focus on how does this impact our future operating model? How does this impact how we're going to be transparent in the future? And how does this impact care of patients? I think one of the things, Karen, that we've really seen over the last year is this marked shift to telehealth and virtual care in general, just forced in a lot of ways because of the pandemic and people being forced to stay home in the in the spring of 2020 and then just continuing on through the year. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what providers have learned over this past year during this big shift to telehealth and what are they doing sort of looking forward, maybe even post-pandemic? Sure. Yeah. Now the surge in telehealth has been amazing, you know, in the past 12 months. And what providers are looking at is really two sides of the coin, right? So what's been the experience of the physicians, clinicians that are delivering on telehealth day in and day out? And what's the patient and consumer experience for telehealth? And based on those learnings, what they're seeing is there's gaps. There's gaps in, you know, sustainability of those models, common platforms, ease of use. And that ease of use, for example, could be different from a patient lens versus a physician lens. You know, we've experienced it on a daily basis, just all of us being kind of in a video-centric world. So how do you get the most out of 
that patient interaction on telehealth? How do you get the follow-up care and services that those patients need? And how do the physicians understand the best way to deliver that to make it easy, accessible, and certainly from a business perspective, right, to find those ancillary services that were so easy in a doctor's office that they now have to do in a more virtual setting? Well, Karen, I thought your response to Trina about what providers are doing and making those connections with consumers, you know, makes a lot of sense. And because and, and, I think a lot of people are concerned about when you move to digital, you know, do you use lose that, you know, human connection? And I guess I would ask you maybe a similar question, but now let's turn our attention to pharma and life sciences companies and the idea of clinical trials, which also has had to go into more of a virtual world. How are pharmaceutical and life sciences companies thinking about that and kind of that interplay between the human and the technology? Very exciting times right now in the pharmaceutical industry, observing the speed and efficiency of vaccine development and the use of those clinical trials in a more decentralized model has certainly allowed for a ton of learning, a ton of collaborations with the regulators that just wasn't there before. There was a set process, a set timeline, set cadence. And so when you kind of throw all that out the window and have everybody, you know, focused in on one solution, the learnings and the insights have been quite dramatic. And I would say the decentralized models for clinical trials certainly will benefit specific key therapeutic categories, not all, and some will still have to be, you know, in a more original, um, traditional model of clinical trials, but you can expand your patient population, which we know patient enrollment was always a challenge in clinical trials. You can expand the demographics of the patients that you're trying to enroll in the diversity, which has continued to be a challenge. And again, specific categorizations from a demographic standpoint are critical for clinical trials. And so what the learnings of digitizing clinical trials and being able to do more remote monitoring will really expand the accessibility, the outputs, the insights, and speed up the process. And so I think we're really excited to see. um, We've seen, I think it's 98% of pharma executives say they are looking towards the future of virtual clinical trials, you know, what those outcomes will be and what the next innovation of drug discovery will be. That's a fascinating time, I think, for pharmaceutical development. It's it's almost astounding how quickly the the vaccines were developed and and now they're going into arms and and we're we're all anxious to have that happen. One of the areas that that I think sort of is related to that that we've been seeing some reports recently is that with the clamor for the vaccine among some groups, there are other groups of folks that that are really hesitant and are you know sort of mistrustful of the medical establishment. And you know some of these Americans are black and brown and and have a long standing reason, lots of reasons to mistrust. And we've sort of seen the pandemic play out this way throughout. There's been a disproportionate impact on Black and Latinx Americans. They have been more likely to become infected with the virus, to be hospitalized from COVID-19, to die from the disease than white Americans. And I think that this pandemic all through has really highlighted these longstanding problems that we have with with health equity along racial and ethnic lines. And so, Karen, what what are you seeing health organizations doing to address these issues now that, you know, I think it's it's impossible to to ignore them as they have been? 
Absolutely. And I think we've seen a a surge, certainly in investment, in organizations looking within, challenging themselves, challenging their internal biases and their processes. You know, health inequity was certainly put under the spotlight through this pandemic. And we've seen several different outcomes that have happened over the past 12 months, as well as the surge on how will this be sustainable, right? There is no better time than to really lean in from organizations as well as corporate America to say, how do we fix these gaps in our health economy and really focus on social determinants of health? You see it where some pharmaceutical companies are investing in the future of, you know, clinical investigators to say, you know, we are going to help from an educational standpoint and supporting identifying Black and Latinx clinical investigators, because if you want to draw in those populations and the demographics, they want to see somebody like them. They want to understand where they've come from, their hesitancy to give them more reassurance. We've seen a continued focus on certainly vaccine education and how do you change the focus from you know behavior perspective by just educating differently and meeting somebody within their own community. There's been healthy community programs that have been run out of local community churches or community organizations. And we've certainly seen a continued focus on diversifying, whether it's clinical trials or other programs. So we would say social determinants of health are certainly probably the top priorities of many of these organizations. They have certainly had a better understanding coming out of this pandemic where they thought they were doing the right thing and they realized there's still so much more to do. And I think the vaccine hesitancy, the vaccine distribution models are still continuing to highlight where those gaps are and where organizations and corporations need to meet individuals where they you know, want to be met. One great example, you know, I read the article the other day on West Virginia and their vaccine distribution, and they really kind of went at it from a community standpoint, right? So they didn't go to big box stores. They went within local communities and they've got, you know, a great output right now on, on vaccine distribution. And it's, it's because they looked at their communities and said, this is the best way to get it done. Well, Karen, I loved what you said about there's so much more to do. And I think that that phrase actually fits very well with the another topic that we covered in our top issues, which is around mental health. And our survey, our consumer survey showed that almost half of consumers with dependents, so families, almost half of households said that they are experiencing anxiety or depression as a result of the pandemic. So we know the pandemic is taking a huge toll on the mental health of our communities. And I think the question to you is, what are you seeing health organizations do, not only for their communities, but frankly, also for their own people, their own, the clinicians, the staff that work for them that are churning out these vaccines and seeing people in the ICUs? What are health organizations doing? Yeah, Ben, I think you teed that up well. The surge in mental health has has never been greater right now. And certainly our healthcare providers on the front lines, you know, working this day in and day out have continued to really struggle with mental health issues. You know, they're on the battlefield, right? So why is this any different than out there fighting battles every day and trying to survive and, and help others survive and take care of those and those families that have been so hardly impacted by the pandemic? And what we're seeing is employers really lean in 
to acknowledge and recognize more than ever, you know, mental health issues. And it's not a stigma. It's it's become a common conversation that I think we see within our own organization. We're seeing it within our client base. And that employers are becoming extremely active in the healthiness of their employees. And it's not just health from an overall biological standpoint. It is mental health and, and the productivity of those employees and what you need to get out of them and the ability for them to show up to work every day and to really process what they've been dealing with, whether it's well-being programs, really analyzing the surge in their you know, therapist usage, how to allow and offer access to telehealth for mental health sessions and offering them for free. We've certainly seen also other companies do random days of rest. You know, I don't think we would have ever expected that a year ago, but we've had major corporations say, you know what, everyone's taking this day off. It's not a holiday. It's not an organization. It's a mental day of rest. And I think that's acknowledging the stress and the intensity of this past year. Well, Karen, we we titled this report, Top Health Industry Issues of 2021, Will a Shocked System Emerge Stronger? We had that as a question. And I guess maybe we could end today with that as a question for you. What's the hope out there that as we come out of this, what do you think we'll be doing better in the coming years? Maybe some silver linings of what the industry has learned from the pandemic. I think one of the silver linings that the industry has learned from this pandemic is collaboration is at our core. And when we collaborate and break down our silos, even within the health ecosystem, the opportunities are endless. The ability to solve for challenging complex problems becomes easier and that everybody's bringing a different level of expertise, a different lens to the table, putting bias aside, really embracing everybody's role in a solution. I think the collaboration that we've seen happen through this past 12 months is here to stay. I think new relationships definitely have been developed and I'm really excited to see what the outputs of those new relationships, new collaborations will be in the future. Well, Karen, thanks so much for joining us on our Next in Health podcast. I'm glad to be here and this was great. Thank you. And Trina, thank you so much for co-hosting with me today. It's always a pleasure. Well, if you'd like to get more information on the subjects that we talked about today, all of it's available on our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. This has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.